Welcome to our podcast, Color Me Sane. You can join us to learn more about the forensic nursing world while we color. At times, we plan on having episodes dedicated to answering your questions or common myths about forensic nursing. So send us your questions or feedback on our Instagram, TikTok, or Patreon. Color with us as we explore the world of sexual assault nurse examination. Our aim is to use this medium to educate the public and other nurses on the different aspects of this exam, your rights as a survivor, and resources available to you. This information provided in the podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or legal advice. All information provided from this podcast is for general information purposes only. Please reach out to your local entities for recommendations specific to you. Before we get started today, let us introduce ourselves. My name is Melissa. I am a registered nurse with over 10 years of experience and started in forensic nursing just over four years ago. I've experienced with both adult and pediatric forensic nursing and certified in the state of Texas for adult, adolescent, and pediatric SANE. I also have additional experience with domestic violence, strangulation, and trauma. And I am Lynn. I have been a nurse for about nine years, and I started my experience in forensic nursing about just over a year ago, so maybe like a year, four months. I also have experience with both adult and the pediatric population, and I'm certified by the state of Texas for adult, adolescent, and pediatric scene examinations. I also have additional experience with domestic violence, strangulation, and trauma patients. So... Today, we're going to be explaining what sexual assault nursing is, what forensic nursing is, and just a brief overview of forensic of the forensic nursing world. We would like to preface that most of our experience is based out of Texas, so you'll hear a lot of information about Texas, but we'll also try to put in information about the IAFN, the International Association of Forensic Nurses as well. We will also discuss other states at times and we welcome anyone with any other sane training with sane, any other training with sane experience to come and talk on this podcast with us. Melissa, would you like to just go ahead and talk about what a sane nurse is? Yeah, so a SANE nurse, it's also known as a sexual assault nurse examiner, is a registered nurse with specialized training to provide comprehensive care to those who have experienced a sexual assault. There is also what we call a forensic nurse, which is a nurse with specialized training to provide comprehensive care to those who have experienced assault in various ways. They, that includes abuse, violence, neglect, human trafficking, death investigation, and even sexual assault. So, um, Lynn, do those sound pretty similar to you, those definitions? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they are pretty similar. Um, the main difference is a forensic nurse has a wider range of practice, whereas a sexual assault nurse generally focuses on caring for survivors of sexual assault. But in many parts of the country, you're going to hear those terms interchangeably because most peer areas have, the, they just have forensic nurses that do all of their exams. Um, one of the biggest questions I think we have is how does one become a SANE nurse or even a forensic nurse? Okay, great question. So to start off, you have to be a registered nurse with experience. So many states require you to have at least two to three years nursing experience before you're able to train as a forensic nurse. Um, it's also preferred if you have ER or a woman's health experience, but it's not required. So you can come from med surge or 
as long as you are a registered nurse with that time frame, so two to three years experience, you can you can train to be a forensic nurse. So once you are an experienced nurse, you can either go through the IAFN, the International Association of Forensic Nurses, or if you are in one of the eight states that require you to get a certification, then they that state may have training opportunities that you can use. Um, we will discuss both the IAFN requirements and the requirements that the state of Texas has as well. So I have a question for you real fast, Lynn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you said that they prefer ER or women's health experience. Do you know if there's a reason why they prefer that type of experience? Uh, I think it has to do with the the, the type, of, type of patients you see as a ER nurse and women's health nurse. So, so for ER nurses, you see trauma. You see trauma of all stages of life. Um, and you are going to see sexual assault, sexual assault patient as an ER nurse, right? Because a lot of times they come through the ER. Women's health, it's the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that nurses in other departments don't see sexual assault patients, human trafficking patients. It's just that these nurses might see these patients more often. That's what I, that's what I understood from it. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think so too. And also like women's health is they're familiar with the female anatomy more than like some of the other areas. So, and that makes sense. Um, so you were going to talk about what it takes to be um, for training. Oh yeah, absolutely. So for, so the IFN requires two years of nursing experience and 40 hours of didactic training. So like book training and 40 hours of clinical training. So hands-on training to be able to sit for the adult and adolescent certification. They also require um, three years of nursing experience and 40 hours of didactic and 40 hours of clinical training to be able to sit for the pediatric certification. Within the state of Texas, you must have two years of nursing experience, 40 hours of didactic training, 40 hours, sorry, 40 hours of didactic training, clinical training, and 12 hours of courtroom observation. Texas doesn't say how long you need like the hands-on training for, but they do have specific requirements for your clinical or hands-on training. Um, for adult and adolescent certification, you have to have 10 pelvic examinations and eight SANE exams. And re they require six of those exams to include evidence collection. So you have to swap for DNA evidence, um, collect hair samples, clothing, stuff like that. For the pediatric certification, you have to have 10 pelvic examinations, 20 well-child examinations, and 10 SANE exams, with six of those exams being prepubescent patients. So children before they, like girls before, or boys before puberty. Um, in a few other states like Oregon and Massachusetts, they have very similar requirements to the IFN and Texas However, they require you to have to they require you to attend their specific online courses with some in-person training. Even if you have prior experience, some of these states will still require you to go through their courses so you can learn their specific state requirements with evidence collection. And honestly, I think I like this because training can vary. So you you have specific training, but how patient how people do things can vary i think so if there is one standard that everybody has to stick to it kind of makes to me it makes things 
better when it comes to the legal process. No, and I agree. Like um, those states, there's like eight states that require like their own training. So everybody's getting the exact same training. And I like that. But I've recently moved to one of those eight states and they only hold training a couple times a year. Oh, so that's a drawback. So it's one of those drawbacks because you that means you get less nurses that can be trained at a time. Whereas like in some states, like state of Texas, you have approved people who can do the training. But uh, so, but you can do it at any time. You don't, there's approved people. They have guidelines to follow. However, you can, someone can start on Monday. Someone can start two months from now. Someone can start on Friday. So it kind of makes it where we can have more staff when needed. Whereas some of those other states, if they only offer it once a year, that's only once a year that they get trained. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I also liked how you said that like the IFAN and Texas makes you have experience as a nurse before going to the training. Because like you said earlier, as an ER nurse, you have to have all this trauma education and as a brand new nurse, you're this is sexual assault nursing is so independent based as a you work solo pretty much that if you are a brand new grad, it's going to be it'd probably be very scary for them to have to take care of someone when they're just now getting their their feet as a nurse as well. So I do like how they do make you have experience in nursing before you can even think about becoming a sexual assault nurse. Absolutely. So overall, we have explained the difference between sane and forensic nursing, um, but what type of cases do they see and what else can they do? Sexual assault nurse examiners working with adults, we see mostly acute sexual assault survivors. So acute would be something that happened within 120 hours for the most part. Um, some programs allow their nurses to do non-acute exams as well, but that's program dependent. So sometimes as, as a non-acute exam, we're not grabbing evidence. So some um, programs will do those exams and sometimes that's just gonna defer back to the law enforcement agency. Say nurses seeing pediatric patients may see both acute or non-acute survivors. They normally see a lot of non-acute. What exactly is the difference? Um, so the difference is just with an acute exam, you have, you're gonna have to get it done depending on the state with about five days. Some of them are less, some of them are more, but a non-acute is they can go over 120 hours, but they're not gonna get any DNA evidence at all. Um, the other thing I think nurse is trained to do is courtroom testimony as a fact witness and sometimes even as an expert witness. Yep, and that's the part that shies a lot of people away from forensic nursing is to think that they have to testify to sit in a court and be drilled by lawyers about the exam that you did because that kind of terrified me at first. But, you know, it, it I think it's work that needs to be done and it's something that... Uh, over time, I know I will get better and better at. How about you? Have you, have, like, side note, have you gone to court yet? I've gone to court a couple of times. And yes, it's very frightening. So I do like that in Texas, you have to have experience observing, especially if you can observe like an actual sexual assault case, because you can kind of get an idea of exactly how it's going to be set up. Because if you've never gone to court and you're walking in there the first time and you've never even seen a case, like that would be, I think that would be a lot more scarier than at least seeing a couple cases. But I have gone to court and a lot of times the DA's office is really good about showing you and helping you. I actually went to court one time and 
they literally showed me from the moment I walk in the door, they're like, this is how you walk in. This is where you're going to walk. This is where you're going to sit. This is the microphone. And that really just helped take away a lot of the nerves by doing that. Yes. Yes. The the lawyer that the DA, um, the assistant DA that I worked with, she was very good with that. Like she tried her best to make me feel comfortable because I told her like, this is my first this is my first time doing this. And I was kind of nervous, but like talking to her and her, like she, she, I was well prepped. So the day when I went up there, I, I was not as nervous, like naturally I'm still like nervous. Like my tummy is doing backflips, <laughs> but I, but I kind of knew what was expected. I, w- I didn't go in blindly. Um, kind of like Melissa was saying. Yeah. That's always a good thing. Um, can you tell Alyssa, a little bit about uh, more about the forensic nursing and what they do. Okay, so so forensic nurses they do all that we just spoke about, um, but they also have other types of cases that like they may see um, in the forensic nursing world. Um, so when you're not caring for sexual assault survivors, you might be caring for somebody that has experienced interpersonal violence, domestic violence, strangulation, gunshot wound victims, stabbing victims. And again, this is program dependent because not all programs will see gunshot victims or stabbing victims or any physical assault victims. Some programs only do um, sexual assault cases. Um, there also may be cases for non-accidental trauma victims, and these are victims who are under the age of 18 or over the age of 65, or they are a protected class, like those with intellectual disability, but are between the ages of 18 and 65. Um, forensic nurses can also work in a coroner's office, assisting with death investigations as well. So that's kind of some of the like a overview of what the forensic nurses do and what say nurses do. And as we go on more with this podcast, we'll talk more and get more in depth about some of the other things that say nurses do and stuff that we do to help you. And as you send in questions, we'll be able to answer more of some of the specific things that you guys are are wanting to know. So, Melissa, how was your training? Like, how did you get started? Tell us a little bit more about that. So I started training over almost five years ago. It's just a couple months shy of five years. So my training was I observed a case. Um, and then I went and I did, I started with adults. I'm an adult nurse. And I actually am one of those nurses who does not have any women's health or ER experience those two areas I normally shy away from as much as I can. I am mostly an ICU med surge nurse. I am an adult nurse, so I started with learning how to take care of adults. I went to a 40-hour class. So in the state of Texas, they have um, one of the universities has a forensic program, and they teach, they used to teach at least before COVID, a, a class at it took, I think, like four or five days. It's 40 hours. I think it was four or five days. And they would go over everything. These are the people who actually help write all the Texas protocols for forensic nursing. So they are very experienced. And it was just kind of nice. You get all this hands-on training. They tell, teach us about anatomy. Because again, I'm I'm not an ER nurse. And I'm not a women's health nurse. I know a little bit about the female anatomy, but I'm not 
I know where to put a catheter, but that's about it. They they teach you about all the anatomy. They go over STDs and what they would look like. They gave us workbooks to work with. They gave us case studies to work with. They showed you a kit, exactly what a kit looks like, how to open it, what you would do with all the stuff in a kit. They even had their DA come in at one point and briefly talk to us. They didn't go into a lot of detail, briefly just talked to us. So they just gave us a lot of infer- a lot of training over the those 40 hours. Then after that, I came back to work and I was doing all of this on top of my part-time, uh, part, my full-time job. So I was doing it more per diem. So that would mean like, sometimes I'd put in like eight hours a week, eight to 12 hours. And sometimes I was only putting in like 12 to 24 hours a month. It really depended on how much time I had on top of my full-time job. But I normally Plus would when try cases to- cases were coming. yeah. It was always dependent on like cases and what all I had to do with my job as well. So after that, I came back. I actually went to a an adult gynecology office and I did multiple, multiple um, exams on um, women so I could learn how to do a pelvic exam properly because as a nurse, we don't actually do pelvic exams. So they taught me how to do that. I like that because... It was adults only, so I might might see someone who's 18, but I also might see someone who's 65. So you can learn all sorts of different anatomy and know that it's all different and how to put in that speculum correctly on everybody. Um, and then I then I started doing the actual exams um, with patients. So I had a preceptor I was always with, and a lot of times though I was doing it as an on call basis. So. I'd be at home and they would just call me in and I would come in. But I wouldn't always be able to put in a lot of time. We had a lot of people training at the same time. So it was always dependent on, did we have time? I also had to work weekends, like every other weekend. And most call was only on weekends. So I'd also don't want to give up every weekend. So it took me quite a while to fully get certified, fully get done seeing adults I think it took me like three or four months. And at one point I was actually coming in like once every other week or so, just sitting in the office so I could see everything that came in. Because on top of that, we were forensic nurses. We worked out of an ER and we would go see a lot of their traumas. We'd go see all their gunshot wounds, all their stabbings. We were part of the trauma team. And so we would go see a lot of those things. And so I had to be like present to actually go see those because they're not going to call you and be like, we have a stabbing victim, please come in. And it takes you an hour to get there. That's not going to happen. So I would have to go spend some time there. And then after I did all of that, and was comfortable seeing adults. I switched over to pediatrics. And for that one, I did an online class, a 40 hour online class. And that was through the IFAN website. And so that so I had like the beauty to see both an in-person class and an online class. And I don't think a lot of people kind of get that. And then I spent a couple of days at a couple of different pediatric offices to do well child exams. So that is when we are seeing them see babies a couple days old, all the way up until like 18, sometimes 20 years old. But I like it because I don't work with kids. I have kids. I don't work with kids. So you get to learn their milestones. You get to learn how to interact with these kids, how to um, talk to them 
so they understand. So that was really interesting. And I, I did quite a few of those. And then I started doing, I did, for children, I did mostly on-call basis. So again, I would be putting in anywhere between 12 to 24 hours a month of on-call. If a case came into the ER, they would call me and then I would come into the ER and see those patients with my preceptor. Um, that that took me about four, maybe four or five months before I got comfortable seeing children. But I didn't get certified for a while because as I was coming up to the end, I was trying to finish all my courtroom hours and then COVID started. And at that point, couldn't go to court. So eventually, um, Texas changed it to where we could do online court hours. So it took me almost 18 months to get completely certified. I was seeing patients well before that, but it took me about 18 months to get actually certified. Um, how was your training? Because I think your training was much different than my training. Yeah, my training was similar but different. So similar meaning I had to complete all the required education that the state of Texas wanted, but different because of, I guess, my background and my, like my, like how I started in the forensic department. So you started PRN. So you were only working, as you said, like 40 hours per month you could probably give. So I started full-time. So I was so I was a full-time forensic nurse. So I was working. So I was there every week, three times per week um, to do my training. So for me, I did. So while you did your didactic training through the the university, I did mine online through IAFN. So when I started my first week, my first two weeks were done, were used doing 40 hours for the adult training, online training. And the, the, the second week was 40 hours for the pediatric training. And after that, I started coming to the office more often and I would observe cases. And throughout like me observing cases with the forensic nurses, I had to do my pelvic examinations and I did mine with a nurse practitioner who specialized in gynecological women's health and then I did my well child with a well child doc by a clinic and that's where I did all my well child examinations and I was able to do like all my well child examinations in a week and all my pelvic examination in a couple of days when I completed that I would still go ahead and observe cases and I also, and I think it's the same university that you went to, to do your didactic training, but we were sent, it was me and another nurse that started with me. We were sent to this university and they had um, a three-day course where we would get hands-on training. And I think, like, I hope, I wish everybody had experienced this, tr this hands-on training because it was, it was really phenomenal. So they had what is called a standardized patient. And I don't think every every training institution has this, but like a standardized with a standardized patient, um, these patients, which are paid people, they receive specialized training to portray a patient and to stimulate, stimulate symptoms and provide real life feedback. So we are able to actually do a pelvic examination on these patients and if we're being too rough they're going to tell us you are being too rough or you know that is painful and a lot of these standardized 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 patients they have been doing this so long that they can actually walk you through how to make 
you doing a pelvic examination more comfortable for your patient. So I think that was that was like great information for me because that was one of the things like you were assaulted, like something was in you that you did not want to be in you. And I am going to have to possibly put, if you give me consent, this speculum inside you to look for any injuries or to get like a deeper swab, stuff like that. So that feedback from them really helped me um, on how I do my speculum exams um, to this day. That was phenomenal. So after we, we we did all that, we were able to do a specific amount of um, um, speculum exams that I spoke about. We were able to do a, a specific amount of um, like patient, like standardized patient care. So, so these patients that are simulated, we were able to do a whole like collect do the history um collect evidence stuff like that from these patients so and we're able to make mistakes right there which was great because in the real world you don't want to make mistakes with these patients like it's a lot of these cases are going into legal proceedings so you want to ensure that everything is on the up and up but with this training you have the opportunity to make mistakes ask questions right then and there get hands-on help from the one of the trainers so we had that that was great after we left there we came back and then for me I started doing more exams with with like my preceptors so they would start off slow by like letting you explain the whole consent process with the patient um, and then you're doing like the medical surgical history part before you go into like the meat of the matter, meaning like the history of what happened and the evidence collection part, like all that part. Um, because I was already an ER nurse, I already had experience seeing gunshot patients stab victims. However, I never saw them in the capacity as a forensic nurse. So that was, that was different. Um, I was always there. So whenever I whenever a stabbing victim or say a gunshot victim came in, I could just easily go over to the trauma room or whichever room they were in um, to, to learn how to do that assessment. Um, so for my training... It took me, it took me about, I think it took me like four months to complete to from the moment I started to when I was done with all the things needed for my certification. I think it took like four months to get all that done, which is way less than Melissa. However, it's not like you have to look at the fact that it's not, it's not that I got less training than Melissa or Melissa got more training than I did. We had we had like the same we have the same clinical requirements that we had to complete. It's just that I was always there. I was there full time. So I was able to like cram everything, like do everything quicker. Um, but she had another full time position that she had obligations to. So hers were more spread out. Um and that is how that's pretty much how my training went um it was it was pretty nice learning all this it was very interesting learning all these new things because um being you know you don't we don't always have a sane patient to deal with or a physical abuse patient to deal with so if i'm in office and i don't have a patient there is a lot of and people don't realize there's a lot of office work that comes with this job so i'll be learning the office type stuff um like like working with law enforcement like stuff that you should send stuff that you should not send like just stuff that you need to do behind the scenes of the patient um to ensure that everything is 
is in a nice like bow tie for law enforcement and at the same time I would have to go through like pictures and um charts like chart review so these charts that we review are chart are for from patients who gave permission to the facility to use for educational purposes because that's one of the questions we ask in the consenting process if you don't give consent for that we don't use your chart your chart is restricted for that purpose um, but persons do give their charts, um, give us access to use your chart for educational purposes. So I would use those charts and read and um, look at pictures so that I know it, it teaches you how to ask your questions more and like the verbiage to use, um, how to or how to not do things because you can you have you can you see something and you have questions about something. You can ask questions about that. So that's pretty much how my training went. Similar but different. We had all the things that we needed to do based on state requirements. Mine just took like a different, like different turns than yours. So Melissa, what kind of, what made you wanted to turn a forensic nurse? So for me to want to be a forensic nurse. So I did not really know anything about forensic nursing, but one day in nursing school, our instructor was to briefly talked about everything you could do as a nurse because there's so many things you could do as a nurse. They mentioned the word forensic nurse and then they moved on. They did not explain it at all. So I took the time and I started kind of researching it. What is a forensic nurse? And then I realized what a forensic nurse is. And I, I understood that it's mostly for sexual assault nursing, but then we have, you could sometimes have these specialized programs that do more than sexual assault nursing. And I really like that ideal. Um, I had a family member who, a couple family members who could have really used a forensic nurse many, many, many years ago, would have probably made their life much easier if they had a forensic nurse or even a doctor who was trained in all of that to help out with their life. So that really made me want to go into that field. I've always wanted to do something to help protect the people who were in that position but I never knew how. And so learning about forensic nursing made it realize like I could actually help other people who were in a similar position to my family members. So that's what really interested me. At that time though, I was a brand new nurse. Obviously I could not do it because I had to have experience. I was doing research and there was different laws in Texas at that time where you had to be like a nurse for like, I think three years at that time or something, but it was all the training was different then. And so by the time I got to three years of nursing, I then started doing some traveling. So again, could not do it. I came back. And um, when I came back to Texas, I was trying to get back into it. I had a, I had a couple of friends who were actually doing forensic training at that time because they we that's one thing that we kind of bonded over as nurses was wanting to do this thing because not many people even know about it, yet alone want to do it. And then so one day I was working and um, a friend of mine was like, hey, I'm going to a meeting at our sister facility, one of our sister facilities. Do you want to come with me? And so we both went to this meeting and just kind of realized exactly what it all was. And I just applied at that point to start working. And that was just it was kind of nice. I didn't have like having other people in the field knowing them. I can kind of sometimes ask them questions and kind of get different experiences from them as well so I kind of like that but that's really what interested me was you know there's a personal connection and just wanting to wanting to help people so they don't have that problem again 
what interested you to be a forensic nurse? So you had like you heard about it in school, to my knowledge, and I might be wrong, but to my knowledge, I I don't think I heard like the terms forensic nursing or scene nursing while I was in college at all. I didn't know that there was a thing such as a scene nurse until after I became a nurse. But my interest in the world, like dealing with these patients kind of peaked when I was in nursing school. So when I was in nursing school, um, I was at my pediatric rotation and there was this little girl that the nurses were guarding. So the students like myself weren't allowed to nurse her or she was a secure patient basically and after i was there for a while like for a, a few days um we i asked the nurse who was one of the nurses who were frequently precepting me and she kind of gave me a brief rundown and she was an assault patient and this this little girl was under 10 10 years old she was young and she the nurse told me that she was a sexual assault patient and she told me what had happened and it was gruesome um after that it's nursing school like i'm like oh that's that's so sad you know and you continue with nursing school that very stressful time of your life and that kind of went on the back page and then after i became a nurse i remember working in triage at this private hospital that i was working at and there was this little girl came in i think she was like two or three i think she was like maybe between two and four and her mom brought her in and she was apparently they were having a party at the house and mom couldn't locate her and mom realized that she was like in a secluded area with this male um i don't remember if it was a family friend or family but this older male person he was molesting her and mom took her to the hospital to get some help but our hospital had no resources for her so she had to be sent to a children's hospital so they can um, deal with the case they had social workers and 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 doctors and stuff but we there were no forensic nurses but there was a doc, there, there there should be a doctor that would be able to assist her further like she would have gotten more help than what the private hospital could have helped with and it to me it was sad because that was the only children hospital so i know her weight would have been a little greater than it should be because they get traumas they get children this is where all children traumas usually go to so she's naturally gonna have a weight sadly and i remember thinking nah there has to be more to this so i started looking it up and that is when i found out about the international association of forensic nurses and like there's a thing called a sane nurse and and i started reading up what a sane nurse did and i'm like i I think I want to do this at some point in my life sooner than later. And lo and behold, a few years later, I'm a SAID nurse. So that's kind of where my my interest peaked. And I am happy about the choice that I've made to become a forensic nurse because it's something that I love. Um, it is something that you can definitely, you are definitely helping somebody. You may never see your patient again and you may never um, get a thank you. So if you're a nurse that thrives off the million and th millions of thank yous from, the, from patients, this might not be for you because your, your patient saw you in a time when they were most vulnerable they may not want to see you again and that is completely fine and that's something that you have to be okay with but i am okay with helping my patient through this very hard process talking to them helping them regain 
confidence and um, some sort of power when it comes to choosing what they want to do and how they want to continue with their exam. Um, so if you are a nurse with experience and that is something that you are passionate about, I would implore you, say nurses are needed. I will implore you, you can go to the IFN website, see how you can do this. If it's if you're in one of the eight states that require you to have their state training, do it. If it's something that you can manage, do it because it's hard work. It's It's not physical hard work, it's mental hard work, but it's still work that needs to be done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It is very mentally hard work. Um, also, we just so a lot of states don't allow you to do any shadowing and you may not actually be able to shadow like a forensic nurse or a sexual assault nurse. But if you ever see one in, in your hospital, just talk to them a little bit about what their experience is, like what type of cases they see, Absolutely. because that can help you learn a little bit more about that, exactly what their job is and like what your area is seeing and how you and how everything is going. Some facilities will allow you to like observe a case or to shadow. Um, not really because that sometimes is a patient confidentiality thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just adding to that, um, some facilities, even though you cannot, you cannot shadow a case, they'll allow you to visit or sit into one of their peer review cases. And that is just as probably like just as, educational as actually shadowing a case don't you think yeah no i think so it really does help kind of show exactly what cases people are seeing and how to take care of those patients with peer reviews um a lot so if a hospital has a program and they do their own peer reviews they will normally allow their internal staff to be able to go to those peer reviews mm -hmm. um but if you are if your area does not run by a hospital and it's run by a different organization or it's run by the state, you're probably not going to be able to go to any peer reviews. Yeah, that's true. But the IFA and website does have a lot of information and sometimes they have free videos you can watch and anyone can do their training. Even if you don't ever plan on being a forensic nurse, you just kind of want an ideal. You can always pay and do their training online as well. Yeah, that is true. So thank you. Thank you again for joining us and listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining us today. You can reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at Color Me Sane Pod, Patreon, and YouTube. You can email any feedback or questions at hello at colormesanepod.com. If you or anyone you know has been sexually assaulted, you can call the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673 or go to the rain.org website. That's R-A-I-N-N. Dot org and they have an online chat and resources available to you.